In the morning of Monday, May 8, 2017, the President met in the Oval Office with senior advisors, including McGahn, Priebus, and Miller, and informed them he had decided to terminate Comey. The President read aloud the first paragraphs of the termination letter he wrote with Miller and conveyed that the decision had been made and was not up for discussion. The President told the group that Miller had researched the issue and determined the President had the authority to terminate Comey without cause. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children were being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if we're gonna figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change, change their, their lives, lives forever. forever. Well, that didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our, our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world, but the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. May God bless us. In an effort to slow down the decision-making process, McGahn told the president that DOJ leadership was currently discussing Comey's status and suggested that White House counsel's office attorneys should talk with Sessions and Rod Rosenstein, who had recently been confirmed as the deputy attorney general. McGahn said that previously scheduled meetings with Sessions and Rosenstein that day would be an opportunity to find out what they thought about firing Comey. At noon, Sessions, Rosenstein, and Hunt met with McGahn and White House Counsel's Office Attorney Utom Dillon at the White House. McGahn said that the President had decided to fire Comey and asked for Sessions's and Rosenstein's views. Sessions and Rosenstein criticized Comey and did not raise concerns about replacing him. McGahn and Dillon said the fact that neither Sessions nor Rosenstein objected to replacing Comey gave them peace of mind that the president's decision to fire Comey was not an attempt to obstruct justice. An Oval Office meeting was scheduled later that day so that Sessions and Rosenstein could discuss the issue with the president. At around 5 p.m., the president and several White House officials met with Sessions and Rosenstein to discuss Comey. The president told the group that he had watched Comey's May 3rd testimony over the weekend and thought that something was not right with Comey. The president said that Comey should be removed and asked Sessions and Rosenstein for their views. Hunt, who was in the room, recalled that Sessions responded that he had previously recommended that Comey be replaced. 
McGahn and Dillon said Rosenstein described his concerns about Comey's handling of the Clinton email investigation. The president then distributed copies of the termination letter he had drafted with Miller, and the discussion turned to the mechanics of how to fire Comey and whether the president's letter should be used. McGahn and Dillon urged the president to permit Comey to resign, but the president was adamant that he be F-tread. The group discussed the possibility that Rosenstein and Sessions could provide a recommendation in writing that Comey should be removed. The president agreed and told Rosenstein to draft a memorandum, but said he wanted to receive it first thing the next morning. Hunt's notes reflect that the president told Rosenstein to include in his recommendation the fact that Comey had refused to confirm that the president was not personally under investigation. According to notes taken by a senior DOJ official of Rosenstein's description of his meeting with the president, the president said, put the Russia stuff in the memo. Rosenstein responded that the Russia investigation was not the basis of his recommendation, so he did not think Russia should be mentioned. The president told Rosenstein he would appreciate it if Rosenstein put it in his letter anyway. When Rosenstein left the meeting, he knew that Comey would be terminated, and he told DOJ colleagues that his own reasons for replacing Comey were not the president's reasons. On May 9, Hunt delivered to the White House a letter from Sessions recommending Comey's removal and a memorandum from Rosenstein, addressed to the Attorney General, titled Restoring Public Confidence in the FBJ. McGahn recalled that the president liked the DOJ letters and agreed that they should provide the foundation for a new cover letter from the president accepting the recommendation to terminate Comey. Notes taken by Donaldson on May 9 reflected the view of the White House Counsel's Office that the president's original termination letter shouldn't jot see the light of day and that it would be better to offer no other rationales for the firing than what was in Rosenstein's and Sessions's memoranda. The president asked Miller to draft a new termination letter and directed Miller to say in the letter that Comey had informed the president three times that he was not under investigation. McGahn, Priebus, and Dillon objected to including that language, but the president insisted that it be included. McGahn, Priebus, and others perceived that language to be the most important part of the letter to the president. Dillon made a final pitch to the president that Comey should be permitted to resign, but the president refused. Around the time the president's letter was finalized, Priebus summoned Spicer and the press team to the Oval Office, where they were told that Comey had been terminated for the reasons stated in the letters by Rosenstein and Sessions. To announce Comey's termination, the White House released a statement, which Priebus thought had been dictated by the president. In full, the statement read, Today, President Donald J. Trump informed FBI Director James Comey that he has been terminated and removed from office. President Trump acted based on the clear recommendations of both Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. That evening, FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was summoned to meet with the President at the White House. The President told McCabe that he had fired Comey because of the decisions Comey had made in the Clinton email investigation and for many other reasons. The president asked McCabe if he was aware that Comey had told the president three times that he was not under investigation. The president also asked McCabe whether many people in the FBI disliked Comey and whether McCabe was part of the resistance that had disagreed with Comey's decisions in the Clinton investigation. McCabe told the president that he knew Comey had told the president he was not under investigation, that most people in the FBI felt positively about Comey, and that McCabe worked very closely with Comey and was part of all the decisions that had been made in the Clinton investigation. 
Later that evening, the president told his communications team he was unhappy with the press coverage of Comey's termination and ordered them to go out and defend him. The president also called Chris Christie and, according to Christie, said he was getting killed in the press over Comey's termination. The president asked what he should do. Christie asked, did you fire Comey because of what Rod wrote in the memo? And the president responded, yes. Christie said that the president should get Rod out there and have him defend the decision. The president told Christie that this was a good idea and said he was going to call Rosenstein right away. That night, the White House press office called the Department of Justice and said the White House wanted to put out a statement saying that it was Rosenstein's idea to fire Comey. Rosenstein told other DOJ officials that he would not participate in putting out a false story. The president then called Rosenstein directly and said he was watching Fox News, that the coverage had been great, and that he wanted Rosenstein to do a press conference. Rosenstein responded that this was not a good idea because if the press asked him, he would tell the truth that Comey's firing was not his idea. Sessions also informed the White House Counsel's Office that evening that Rosenstein was upset that his memorandum was being po one trait as the reason for Comey's termination. In an unplanned press conference late in the evening of May 9, 2017, Spicer told reporters, it was all Rosenstein. No one from the White House. It was a DOJ decision. That evening and the next morning, White House officials and spokespeople continued to maintain that the president's decision to terminate Comey was driven by the recommendations the president received from Rosenstein and Sessions. In the morning on May 10, 2017, President Trump met with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislak in the Oval Office. This free audio is provided by MuellerReportAudioBook.com. The media subsequently reported that during the May 10 meeting the president brought up his decision the prior day to terminate Comey, telling Lavrov and Kislak, T just fired the head of the FBI. He was crazy, a real nut job. I faced great pressure because of Russia. That's taken off. I'm not under investigation. The president never denied making those statements, and the White House did not dispute the account, instead issuing a statement that said, by grandstanding and politicizing the investigation into Russia's actions, James Comey created unnecessary pressure on our ability to engage and negotiate with Russia. The investigation would have always continued, and obviously, the termination of Comey would not have ended it. Once again, the real story is that our national security has been undermined by the leaking of private and highly classified information. Hicks said that when she told the president about the reports on his meeting with Lavrov, he did not look concerned and said of Comey, he is crazy. When McGahn asked the president about his comments to Lavrov, the president said it was good that Comey was fied because that took the pressure off by making it clear that he was not under investigation so he could get more work done. That same morning, on May 10, 2017, the president called McCabe. According to a memorandum McCabe wrote following the call, the president asked McCabe to come over to the White House to discuss whether the president should visit FBI headquarters and make a speech to employees. The president said he had received hundreds of messages from FBI employees indicating their support for terminating Comey. The president also told McCabe that Comey should not have been permitted to travel back to Washington, D.C. on the FBI's airplane after he had been terminated and that he did not want Comey in the building again, even to collect his belongings. 
When McCabe met with the president that afternoon, the president, without prompting, told McCabe that people in the FBI loved the president, estimated that at least 80% of the FBI had voted for him, and asked McCabe who he had voted for in the 2016 presidential election. In the afternoon of May 10, 2017, Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Sanders spoke to the president about his decision to fire Comey and then spoke to reporters in a televised press conference. Sanders told reporters that the president, the Department of Justice, and bipartisan members of Congress had lost confidence in Comey, and most importantly, the rank and file of the FBI had lost confidence in their director. Accordingly, the president accepted the recommendation of his deputy attorney general to remove James Comey from his position. In response to questions from reporters, Sanders said that Rosenstein decided on his own to review Comey's performance and that Rosenstein decided on his own to come to the president on Monday, May 8 to express his concerns about Comey. When a reporter indicated that the vast majority of FBI agents supported Comey, Sanders said, look, we've heard from countless members of the FBI that say very different things. Following the press conference, Sanders spoke to the president, who told her she did a good job and did not point out any inaccuracies in her comments. Sanders told this office that her reference to hearing from countless members of the FBI was a slip of the tongue. She also recalled that her statement in a separate press interview that rank-and-file FBI agents had lost confidence in Comey was a comment she made in the heat of the moment that was not founded on anything. Also on May I-0, 2017, Sessions and Rosenstein each spoke to McGahn and expressed concern that the White House was creating a narrative that Rosenstein had initiated the decision to fire Comey. The White House Counsel's Office agreed that it was factually wrong to say that the Department of Justice had initiated Comey's termination, and McGahn asked attorneys in the White House Counsel's Office to work with the press office to correct the narrative. The next day, on May 11, 2017, the president participated in an interview with Lester Holt. The president told White House Counsel's Office attorneys in advance of the interview that the communications team could not get the story right, so he was going on Lester Holt to say what really happened. During the interview, the president stated that he had made the decision to fire Comey before the president met with Rosenstein and Sessions. The president told Holt, I was going to fire regardless of recommendation. Rosenstein made a recommendation. But regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey knowing there was no good time to do it. The president continued, and in fact, when I decided to just do it, I said to myself I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made-up story. It's an excuse by the Democrats for having lost an election that they should have won. In response to a question about whether he was angry with Comey about the Russia investigation, the president said, as far as I'm concerned, I want that thing to be absolutely done properly. The president added that he realized his termination of Comey probably maybe will confuse people with the result that it might even lengthen out the investigation, but he had to do the right thing for the American people and Comey was the wrong man for that position. The president described Comey as a showboat and a grandstander, said that the FBI has been in turmoil, and said he wanted to have a really competent, capable director. The president affirmed that he expected the new FBI director to continue the Russia investigation. On the evening of May 11, 2017, following the Lester Holt interview, the president tweeted, Russia must be laughing up their sleeves watching as the U.S. tears itself apart over a Democrat excuse for losing the election. 
The same day, the media reported that the president had demanded that Comey pledge his loyalty to the president in a private dinner shortly after being sworn in. Late in the morning of May 12, 2017, the president tweeted, again, the story that there was collusion between the Russians and Trump campaign was fabricated by Dems as an excuse for losing the election. The president also tweeted, James Comey better hope that there are no tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press, and when James Clapper himself, and virtually everyone else with knowledge of the witch hunt, says there is no collusion, when does it end? Analysis. In analyzing the president's decision to fire Comey, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. A. Obstructive act. The act of firing Comey removed the individual overseeing the FBI's Russia investigation. The president knew that Comey was personally involved in the investigation based on Comey's briefing of the Gang of Eight, Comey's March 20, 2017 public testimony about the investigation, and the president's one-on-one -on -one conversations with Comey. Firing Comey would qualify as an obstructive act if it had the natural and probable effect of interfering with or impeding the investigation for example, if the termination would have the effect of delaying or disrupting the investigation or providing the president with the opportunity to appoint a director who would take a different approach to the investigation that the president perceived as more protective of his personal interests. Relevant circumstances bearing on that issue include whether the president's actions had the potential to discourage a successor director or other law enforcement officials in their conduct of the Russia investigation. The president fired Comey abruptly without offering him an opportunity to resign, banned him from the FBI building, and criticized him publicly, calling him a showboat and claiming that the FBI was in turmoil under his leadership and the president followed the termination with public statements that were highly critical of the investigation, for example, three days after firing Comey, the president referred to the investigation as a witch hunt and asked, when does it end? Those actions had the potential to affect a successor director's conduct of the investigation. The anticipated effect of removing the FBI director, however, would not necessarily be to prevent or impede the FBI from continuing its investigation. As a general matter, FBI investigations run under the operational direction of FBI personnel levels below the FBI director. Bannon made a similar point when he told the president that he could fire the FBI director, but could not fire the FBI. The White House issued a press statement the day after Comey was fired that said, the investigation would have always continued, and obviously, the termination of Comey would not have ended it. TN edition, in his May 11th interview with Lester Holt, the president stated that he understood when he made the decision to fire Comey that the action might prolong the investigation. And the president chose McCabe to serve as interim director, even though McCabe told the president he had worked very closely with Comey and was part of all the decisions made in the Clinton investigation. V. Nexus to a proceeding. The nexus element would be satisfied by evidence showing that a grand jury proceeding or criminal prosecution arising from an FBI investigation was objectively foreseeable and actually contemplated by the president when he terminated Comey. Several facts would be relevant to such a showing. At the time the president fired Comey, a grand jury had not begun to hear evidence related to the Russia investigation and no grand jury subpoenas had been issued. On March 20, 2017, however, Comey had announced that the FBI was investigating Russia's interference in the election, including an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. 
It was widely known that the FBI, as part of the Russia investigation, was investigating the hacking of the DNC's computers a clear criminal offense. This free audio is provided by MullerReportAudioBook.com. In addition, at the time the president fired Comey, evidence indicates the president knew that Flynn was still under criminal investigation and could potentially be prosecuted, despite the president's February 14, 2017 request that Comey let Flynn go. On March 5, 2017, the White House Counsel's Office was informed that the FBI was asking for transition period records relating to Flynn indicating that the FBI was still actively investigating him. The same day, the president told advisors he wanted to call Dana Boente, then the acting attorney general for the Russia investigation, to find out whether the White House or the president was being investigated. On March 31, 2017, the president signaled his awareness that Flynn remained in legal jeopardy by tweeting that Mike Flynn should ask for immunity before he agreed to provide testimony to the FBI or Congress. And in late March or early April, the president asked McFarlane to pass a message to Flynn telling him that the president felt bad for him and that he should stay strong, further demonstrating the president's awareness of Flynn's criminal exposure. C. Intent. Substantial evidence indicates that the catalyst for the president's decision to fire Comey was Comey's unwillingness to publicly state that the president was not personally under investigation, despite the president's repeated requests that Comey make such an announcement. In the week leading up to Comey's May 3, 2017 Senate Judiciary Committee testimony, the president told McGahn that it would be the last straw if Comey did not set the record straight and publicly announce that the president was not under investigation. But during his May 3 testimony, Comey refused to answer questions about whether the president was being investigated. Comey's refusal angered the president, who criticized Sessions for leaving him isolated and exposed, saying you left me on an island. Two days later, the president told advisors he had decided to fire Comey and dictated a letter to Stephen Miller that began with a reference to the fact that the president was not being investigated, while I greatly appreciate you informing me that I am not under investigation concerning what I have often stated as a fabricated story on a Trump-Russia relationship. The president later asked Rosenstein to include Russia in his memorandum and to say that Comey had told the president that he was not under investigation. And the president's final termination letter included a sentence, at the president's insistence and against McGahn's advice, stating that Comey had told the president on three separate occasions that he was not under investigation. The president's other stated rationales for why he fired Comey are not similarly supported by the evidence. The termination letter the president and Stephen Miller prepared in Bedminster cited Comey's handling of the Clinton email investigation, and the president told McCabe he fired Comey for that reason. But the facts surrounding Comey's handling of the Clinton email investigation were well known to the president at the time he assumed office, and the president had made it clear to both Comey and the president's senior staff in early 2017 that he wanted Comey to stay on as director and Rosenstein articulated his criticism of Comey's handling of the Clinton investigation after the president had already decided to fire Comey. The president's draft termination letter also stated that morale in the FBI was at an all-time low and Sanders told the press after Comey's termination that the White House had heard from countless FBI agents who had lost confidence in Comey. But the evidence does not support those claims.
The president told Comey at their January 27 dinner that the people of the FBI really like him, no evidence suggests that the president heard otherwise before deciding to terminate Comey, and Sanders acknowledged to investigators that her comments were not founded on anything. We also considered why it was important to the president that Comey announce publicly that he was not under investigation. Some evidence indicates that the president believed that the erroneous perception he was under investigation harmed his ability to manage domestic and foreign affairs, particularly in dealings with Russia. The president told Comey that the cloud of this Russia business was making it difficult to run the country. E. The president's efforts to remove the special counsel. Overview. The acting attorney general appointed a special counsel on May 17, 2017, prompting the president to state that it was the end of his presidency and that attorney general Sessions had failed to protect him and should resign. Sessions submitted his resignation, which the president ultimately did not accept. The president told senior advisors that the special counsel had conflicts of interest, but they responded that those claims were ridiculous and posed no obstacle to the special counsel's service. Department of Justice ethics officials similarly cleared the special counsel service. On June 14, 2017, the press reported that the president was being personally investigated for obstruction of justice and the president responded with a series of tweets criticizing the special counsel's investigation. That weekend, the president called McGahn and directed him to have the special counsel removed because of asserted conflicts of interest. McGahn did not carry out the instruction for fear of being seen as triggering another Saturday night massacre and instead prepared to resign. McGahn ultimately did not quit and the president did not follow up with McGahn on his request to have the special counsel removed. Evidence I. The appointment of the special counsel and the president's reaction on May 17, 2017, Acting Attorney General Rosenstein appointed Robert S. Mueller, the third as special counsel and authorized him to conduct the Russia investigation and matters that arose from the investigation. The president learned of the special counsel's appointment from Sessions, who was with the president, Hunt, and McGahn conducting interviews for a new FBI director. Sessions stepped out of the Oval Office to take a call from Rosenstein, who told him about the special counsel appointment, and Sessions then returned to inform the president of the news. According to notes written by Hunt, when Sessions told the president that a special counsel had been appointed, the president slumped back in his chair and said, Oh my God. This is terrible. This is the end of my presidency, I'm fucked. The president became angry and lambasted the attorney general for his decision to recuse from the investigation, stating, how could you let this happen, Jeff? The president said the position of attorney general was his most important appointment and that Sessions had let him down, contrasting him to Eric Holder and Robert Kennedy. Sessions recalled that the president said to him, you were supposed to protect me, or words to that effect. The president returned to the consequences of the appointment and said, everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. The president then told Sessions he should resign as attorney general. Sessions agreed to submit his resignation and left the Oval Office. Hicks saw the president shortly after Sessions departed and described the president as being extremely upset by the special counsel's appointment. Hicks said that she had only seen the president like that one other time, when the Access Hollywood tape came out during the campaign. 
The next day, May 18, 2017, FBI agents delivered to McGahn a preservation notice that discussed an investigation related to Comey's termination and directed the White House to preserve all relevant documents. When he received the letter, McGahn issued a document hold to White House staff and instructed them not to send out any burn bags over the weekend while he sorted things out. Also on May 18, Sessions finalized a resignation letter that stated, Pursuant to our conversation of yesterday, and at your request, I hereby offer my resignation. Sessions, accompanied by Hunt, brought the letter to the White House and handed it to the President. The President put the resignation letter in his pocket and asked Sessions several times whether he wanted to continue serving as Attorney General. Sessions ultimately told the President he wanted to stay, but it was up to the President. The President said he wanted Sessions to stay. At the conclusion of the meeting, the President shook Sessions's hand but did not return the resignation letter. When Priebus and Bannon learned that the President was holding onto Sessions's resignation letter, they became concerned that it could be used to influence the Department of Justice. Priebus told Sessions it was not good for the President to have the letter because it would function as a kind of shock collar that the President could use any time he wanted. Priebus said the President had DOJ by the throat. Priebus and Bannon told Sessions they would attempt to get the letter back from the President with a notation that he was not accepting Sessions's resignation. On May 19, 2017, the President left for a trip to the Middle East. Hicks recalled that on the President's flight from Saudi Arabia to Tel Aviv, the President pulled Sessions's resignation letter from his pocket, showed it to a group of senior advisors, and asked them what he should do about it. During the trip, Priebus asked about the resignation letter so he could return it to Sessions, but the President told him that the letter was back at the White House, somewhere in the residence. It was not until May 30th, three days after the President returned from the trip, that the President returned the letter to Sessions with a notation saying, not accepted. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something, you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently for letting you, me or nobody, is going to hit as hard as life. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you hit. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Welcome Public Access America. America. Yes, we can. yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. You wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. Apple Podcasts for Stitcher Smart Radio. Potable and more. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Public Access Public America. Access. History in the making. History.
making history in the making in the making Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.